Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning, Met Church. How are we doing this morning? Yes, we are so glad you're here with us. If you're watching online, we are so grateful that you have joined us. I'm excited to be here, um, but I've always been told you don't follow Sinatra, but I am going to give it my best shot this morning. And I, I wanna start off a little different. Um, I wanna read the scripture, the first part of the scripture that we're gonna be talking about today. And, and I just have a feeling of how it's gonna set the tone. And it's gonna be an interesting tone. And here's what it is. It's Matthew 5, 4, and it says, the first part, Blessed are those who mourn. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word mourn, it makes me want to mourn. It makes me sad. It makes me get into my feelings a little bit. And I wanna, I wanna tell you a story. Before I tell you this story, we need to have the understanding that this is a non-judgment zone, okay? Are we there? So this story was when I was in college. I was probably around the age of 19, probably a, a few fries short of a Happy Meal. And um, I went to Southeastern Oklahoma State University. No Savage Storm fans, that's okay, that's okay. And I was there, and when I would get into a reflective um, mood, or if I wanted to mourn a little bit, or really just think about if I was sad a little bit, this is what I did. Remember, no judgment. I would go to my apartment, uh, my roommates worked in the evening, so they would be gone, which probably be a little strange if they were there, but I would turn the lights down, okay, to get it kind of dark, and I would go and I would light some incense. Now, here's what you need to know about me. I do not like the smell of incense. I think it's disgusting, but I had incense because I thought I was cool, okay? And then I would go over to my record player, and I, I had a collection of records. I go to my record player. And yes, CDs were very popular when I was in college, but I had records because I thought I was cool. That's right. And I would go and I would pull one of my favorite albums. It was a Rolling Stones album. And I would put it on and I would put on my somber song, Wild Horses by the Rolling Stones. And I would put it on, I would go lay on my couch and I would just kind of soak it all in. I, I would get, you know, deep and thoughtful and just kind of really, I thought I, was, I thought I was doing something amazing. And a few weeks ago, Pastor Bill, he asked me if I would be up for preaching while he was out of town this weekend. I was like, yeah, I would love to. I was excited. I was, I was like pumped, right? He said, cool, well, you're gonna be doing, um, we're doing the Beatitudes series. You're gonna be in the second week. I'm like, awesome, the Beatitudes. I mean, that's the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. I started, I started thinking about Jesus and what he had been doing. He'd been healing all these people, doing all these miracles. And this big crowd was following Jesus everywhere he went. And he got to this big hill, this mountain, and he went up and they followed him up on the mountain. And he turned around and and sat down on the top of this mountain and just began to preach. His first message, and, and some think it's the most powerful message you could ever hear. There's so much good stuff and I'm pumped. Yes, I wanna be a part of this. I wanna, I wanna preach on this. He's like, hey, you're week two, you're gonna be doing the second beatitude. I'm like, yes. And then I thought to myself, I don't remember what the second beatitude is. So I went back and I started studying and I read the second beatitude that said, blessed are those who mourn. 
And it, it kind of deep down, honestly, in my heart, I was like, would it be weird if I went to my office and turned the lights off and lit some incense and listened to the Rolling Stones? Um, maybe, I may be asked to do a drug test or something. I don't know, random, random drug tests. Uh, but, but I started thinking about that. And, and as I thought more about that, I, I heard God kind of speak to me, not like, you know, Corey, this is God, not like that, but I just felt in my heart. And this is what God told me. And he tells me this often. He said, Corey, with Jesus, there is hope. With Jesus, there is hope. And so I was like, what is it about mourning that makes us feel sad and uncomfortable if we're not the ones who are even mourning? Think about it. If somebody is mourning in your life, what is usually our first response? It's to go to them and to do something to take them out of that state to make them happy, right? I mean, even as a small child, um, we were told things like, chin up, chip her up, keep your head up. I don't know why it had to do with up all the time, but, but we did it. And then they even taught us songs that made us think that we have to be happy all the time. And I need your help on this one, okay? If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. But what if you're not happy? What are you supposed to do? Do you just not clap? And then everybody that clapped is looking at you like, what's wrong with that person? I mean, is he burning incense? I don't know, what's going on? But we're taught from a young age that we have to be happy all the time. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God doesn't expect you to be happy all the time. Whew, isn't that, isn't, that, isn't that nice to hear? God doesn't expect you to be happy all the time. I think about my life and I think about all the good things in my life. I have a wife who is amazing. She loves me dearly. Um, she puts up with me all the time, which is a big part. Um, she works hard. She, she does so much for our family. I have two beautiful kids um, and they're funny and they're kind and they're just a joy to be around. I have what I believe to be one of the greatest jobs in the world. I get to be a missions pastor at the Met and I get to be executive director of the nonprofit that the Met started called the Help Out Center, which I get to help thousands of people every month. That's pretty good. I feel good about that. And when I look at my life, I think that word. I think I'm blessed. I'm pretty happy. I need to share something with you. I'm not always happy. I know that's a shocker to some of you. If you wanna to talk to my wife later, you can. She will set the story straight. I'm not always happy. There are times where I'm sad. There are times where I'm upset. Um, there are times where I need to be um, you know, in a state of mourning and reflection to really think on some things. Matter of fact, if I'm around people who are happy all the time, I think something's wrong with them. But the cool thing is, is I heard something when I was younger um, from, a, from a, a dancing prophet named Wren, right? And he, he's responding to scripture and he's, he's saying some scripture that had happened and it really made an impact on my life. And what he does is he quotes Ecclesiastes and he says, Ecclesiastes assures us that there is a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to laugh, a time to weep, a time to mourn, and there is a time to dance. And there was a time for this law, but not anymore. And if you're a little bit confused, um, he was referring to scripture. He actually wasn't a prophet, but he was a dancer. And he did impact many lives back in 1984 when he was the main character in the movie Footloose. 
You remember that scene where he's talking to the boy? All they wanted to do was dance, guys. Just let them dance. Just let them dance. But the point is, the scripture is real. Thank you, Kevin Bacon, for making it known. Uh, And the reference and, and the meaning behind it is real. There is a purpose. There's a time for every purpose under heaven, and that includes a time to mourn. There's a story in the Bible, and Jesus is with his disciples. And there's word that's been passed along to Jesus telling him that one of his dear friends, somebody he loves dearly, is sick and is about to die. And so they say, Jesus, you gotta come quickly. So what Jesus does, do you think he goes quickly? No, he stays where he is for a couple more days. And then he makes his way to where his friend is. But before he gets there, his friend dies and passes away. So he arrives on the scene and Martha, one of the ladies who sent for Jesus is there. She's like, Jesus, where have you been? And she says, Jesus, if you would have been here, he would have never died. And here's what I love that Jesus says. He goes, your brother will rise again. With Jesus, there is hope. Later, Mary Magdalene comes along and she comes and she's just weeping and she's mourning the loss of somebody she loves dearly. And everybody that is with her is doing the same thing. They are crying, they are mourning, they are sad. And I love, we get a glimpse of who Jesus is that it shows us that we can be this way too. And if you, if you wanna memorize scripture and you're like, I just don't know where to start, I have the shortest verse in the Bible for you this morning. And I think you got it. It's John eleven thirty five, and it says this, Jesus wept. He mourned alongside his friends who were hurting and in pain for the loss of a loved one. See, I believe it's okay to mourn. I believe it's okay to process a loss of a loved one or a loss of something great in your life. I believe that good can come from a painful moment in your life. And to show you uh, that point, I thought we'd play a game this morning, okay? I see the look. Some of you are like, oh gosh, it's gonna be fun. Everybody, you can participate. It's a little game about, it's got music. Do you like music? Okay, so I'm gonna put some slides up there and there's gonna be pictures, okay? You put the pictures together to name the title of some pretty classic popular songs, okay? If you know it, then you just yell it out. You don't have to raise your hand. We're not in class, just yell it out. Um, and then we'll just, it's gonna be fun. So let's go ahead. Remember, these are classic songs. Put the pictures together to make the title of the song. Let's look at the first one. There we go, Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. That's awesome. Okay, here's what I forgot to tell you. If you guess it, you have to come up and sing some of it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, so Tears in Heaven, Eric Clapton, you're getting it. Let's go ahead to the second one. Fire and Rain, that was an easy one by James Taylor, one of my all-time favorites. Love me some James Taylor. The last one is probably the hardest. There's more pictures you got it, put it together. And this is, this is a pretty popular song back in the day. Here we go. There we go. I love when it hits. You're like, my heart will go on. My heart will go on by Canada's finest, 
Celine Dion, I don't want anybody to sing that, to be honest. But do you remember that from the movie Titanic? The king of the world, nobody. Okay, it was a great movie. If you haven't seen it, you're way behind. But the thing is, all three of these songs, what they have in common is they were written about or from a place of heavy loss, like the loss of a loved one. And were they good songs? Yes. I mean, these were popular songs that people loved. I believe good things can come from painful situations. I believe you can find purpose in your pain. Now, I know as I say that, if you were here this morning and you were grieving, you were mourning the loss of a loved one, sometimes it's hard to hear somebody say, hey, there's purpose in this. Let's get through this. And I understand that. So if that is you this morning, I just want you to hear my heart. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you are going through something so painful right now, but I want you to know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I also want you to hear me say this, whatever you're going through, you are not alone. You are not alone. God doesn't want you to mourn alone. We know this about the devil. We know in the Bible, it says that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will do that in any way possible. And one of his main tactics that he does that in our lives is he takes us and he takes us away from the crowd. He pulls us away to make us feel like we are alone and we are the only person in the world that is dealing with what we're dealing with. But then I hear what God says and it's totally different. In Romans 12, 10 and 15, it says this, love one another with brotherly affection. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. You may not realize it now, but the pain you're going through later on can help somebody else go through the pain that they will be dealing with. God can use whatever it is that you were struggling with, whatever pain you have, he can use that for purpose to help others get through when they go through the same thing later on. In this verse in Romans, he is talking to the church. He is saying, church, you were supposed to be there for each other. You were supposed to be there to celebrate and rejoice in the good times and be sad and mourn together in the hard times. And this is what we need to know. When you comfort someone, it, it could be a while. We know there's five stages to grief. We know it starts with denial and ends with acceptance. And in between, there is no timeline. For some people, it takes days. Great. For some people, it takes weeks. And for most people, it takes years upon many years to get to that last stage of actually accepting what they have experienced. Not only is the timeline different for everybody, but how we deal with it is different for everyone. Let me tell you a story. I had a good friend named Stephen. I was in my early 20s. I was on staff at this church and him and his wife, Leslie, kind of took me in. I was their single friend, right? So they took me in. They made me a part of their family and I would, I would go to meals with them. They would invite me over to birthday parties, all of those awesome things. But in this relationship, I got to walk with them through some pretty exciting things. I was in the lobby uh, the day that they, they had their, their baby in the hospital, their first child. I was there, Uncle Corey. And I came up, I got to hold her. It was amazing. But I was also there when Stephen lost his father. And I got to walk with him through that hard time. And through the ups and downs, one thing I, I learned and I kind of kept thinking about my friend is, 
He doesn't have a lot of emotion. And another thing I noticed is he never cries. Now I'm man enough to tell you this morning, I cry every once in a while. I mean, it could be something great and I may tear up and cry a little bit. It could be something really sad and I'm gonna cry a little bit. If you wanna see me cry, go put on the movie Rudy. Fast forward all the way to the end. When he's on the field, they start chanting his name, Rudy, Rudy. He comes out on the field, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, it's years ago. He sacks the quarterback. My allergies are gonna act up every time. I'm just being honest. But Stephen never cried. And I was just thinking, man, what is going on? And so we're at lunch one day and we're sitting there and we're just hanging out and we're talking and he takes out um, some, some drops. He puts them in his eye. I go, hey, dude, are you sick? What's going on? Are you okay? He's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm fine. I go, what are you doing with eye drops? He's like, I have to do that. And I'm like, why? He's like, I have to lubricate my eyes. I'm like, why do you have to lubricate your eyes? He said, because I don't have tear ducts. <laughs> I lost it. I started laughing. And he was like, why are you laughing? I was like, dude, because I didn't think you had a heart. I thought something was seriously wrong with you. And he started laughing and we had a good time. So I'm coming to you and I'm telling you today, if you were here and you don't have tear ducts, if you're watching online, and you don't have tear ducts, I sincerely apologize for ever judging you. I really, really do. But the great thing is, not only do we have comfort from each other to go through life together, to lean on each other, this is something that's even better. We have the comfort of the Spirit of God that if you're a follower of Jesus, that is with you, with you through the good times and with you through the bad. Let me show you some scriptures. Psalm 34, 18 says this, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Can I get an amen? Psalm 147, three says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Can I get another amen? God is with us. God comforts us and God helps us get through the hardest of times. And that is so reassuring if you are a follower of Jesus. Everything we have talked about up to this point, so true, so biblical. We have the comfort of the church, each other. We have the comfort of the spirit of God with us. But as I studied this scripture even more, I realized he's not even talking about the, the, like losing somebody. He's not talking about mourning over the death of someone you love. So it got me thinking, I was like, whoa, what are you talking about then? And so I started studying, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. What he's actually referring to in this specific scripture is that we would mourn the sins of others and that we would mourn the sin in our life and that we shall be comforted. So there's three things I want us to realize this morning. The first one is realize the truth of the world. The truth of the world is, as sad as it may be, is broken. It's, it's a dark world. And when God created it in the beginning, remember he said, created the heavens and the earth. And then it says that he said, and it was good. And when God says something is good, it means it's perfect. There's no flaws. There's nothing wrong with it. So his intention and how he created the earth, it was good. But then man came along, we turned our backs from God and we sinned. And when sin entered the world, it changed the game. It changed everything. So now our world is broken. Our world is full of sin. Next thing we need to realize is realize the truth of yourself. 
realize the truth of myself, that I am born as a sinner into this world. I am broken. And because of my sin, I am separated from God. And I can't have a right relationship with God because I have sin in the way. Thirdly, realize the truth of God. See, God looked down. He saw that the world was broken. He saw that you had sinned, that I had sinned. And because of that sin, we were separated. He sent his son, Jesus, to come and to take our sin, take it to the cross, have the ultimate sacrifice, pay the ultimate price so you and I can now have a relationship with God. Scripture says he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we may become the righteousness of God. Jesus came down and he wanted to make a trade. Now, I used to collect baseball cards when I was younger. Anytime I would make a trade with a friend, you better believe I was getting a card that was worth more than the one I was dealing. I wanted the best deal. Well, Jesus came down. He said, I wanna make a trade. He's like, I'm gonna take your sin and I'm gonna give you God's righteousness. I don't know about you, but to me, that's not a very good trade for Jesus. That's why it's called grace. That's why it's called mercy. And that's why it's called love. He knew what the trade was about, but yet he made it anyway. So for you and I to realize these truths, that we are broken, living in a broken world, but yet God didn't let the story in there that he sent a savior to make it where if we put our faith in Jesus, we could have a right relationship with God now, that Jesus paid the price for our sins. It no longer got in the way. And then I started thinking, well, I know that that happened. I gave my life to Jesus when I was nine years old, but I shall be comforted. Like I can mourn the sin of others. I can mourn my own sin, but where's the comfort come into play? Because I've been here 42 years and I got to tell you, ah, there's some uncomfortable things that I live with, right? Like I live with the uncomfortable dealing of my sin. I, I live with the uncomfortable dealing of other people's sins. So in the scripture, Jesus, where does the comfort come from? And what he's talking about is not our temporary home on earth, but it's our eternal home in heaven. And that's where we will experience the eternal comfort. And let me tell you um, in this verse, what he's talking about. Revelation 21, four, it says this, this is what it's gonna be like. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Amen, amen, and amen. This here is temporary, y'all. But the decision that we make to follow Jesus makes it where it's forever. And the comfort we get to experience there is the comfort that he intended in the beginning, perfect. No death, no lying, no cheating, no stealing, no murder, no mourning over the loss of a loved one, no crying. I don't know about you, but that's some place that I long to be and experience. And the cool thing is, I wrote this message a couple of weeks ago. The main points about the three things that we need to um, find the truth of the world and yourself and of God. And, and then last week I heard Bill's message and I was like, Lord, this is you. So this, I mean, this is so cool that you did this. If you were here, I mean, you heard him talk about Isaiah. If you weren't, I'm gonna recap for you. So he talked about Isaiah and in the first five chapters of Isaiah, Isaiah had this attitude of looking at everybody else and saying, woe is you. 
Well, you're broken. You have, woe is you. And then he had, a, he had a dream, he had a vision. And in this dream, he was in the presence of God. It was in this large room. God was sitting on the throne and there were angels above God. His robe filled the whole room and the angels had six wings, two that covered their face, two that covered their feet and two that flew. And they, they just floated over Jesus and they kept saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts over and over again. And as Isaiah in this vision, he's sitting there and he's in the presence of God and he had the realization of who he is compared to who God is. And he went from saying, woe is you to woe is me. He said, woe is me for I am a man of unclean lips. And that's where we, that's where we stopped last week when Bill was talking about it. But I kind of wanted to finish it because it ties in so well with what we're talking about this morning. It's not gonna be on the screen, but I wanna read the next verse to you. Then one of the seraphim, one of the angels, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Now I wanna show you the connection with what God gave me a couple weeks ago with what Pastor Bill was talking about last week, okay? Realize the truth of the world, woe is you. Realize the truth of yourself, woe is me. And realize the truth of God, your guilt is taken away. And through Jesus Christ, your sin is atoned for. I love that. And it got me thinking about, okay, God, what was next for Isaiah? You, you know, he came to the realization that he needed you, that, you know, you were the one who made him clean. And so his relationship was right, right? He was, he was on team God. He was ready. So God, why didn't you just take him away? Why, why didn't, I mean, that's what it's about, right? A, a relationship with God through Jesus for us. So why not when we make that decision to put our faith in Jesus, he doesn't just take, I mean, we got our, we got our free ride, right? We got our ticket to heaven. Let's just go on up. And then it says in this verse, the next verse following, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And this is Isaiah. He said, and I said, here am I, send me. See, when I was nine years old and I put my faith in Jesus, if God was done with me, he would have just taken me up. But the fact that he didn't tells me he's not done with me. The fact that he didn't tells me there's still other things that he wants me to do while I'm here in my temporary home. But what does it look like? What does it mean? Well, I believe I'm supposed to be um, a hope dealer. I believe that I'm supposed to be light of the world. I believe that I'm supposed to tell others in the same thing that I believe that what Jesus did for me, I believe that's my calling. It is not my calling because I'm a pastor. It is my calling because I'm a follower of Jesus, which means the same calling is on all of us. So what does it look like? You're like, man, I don't, I don't know how to tell people about Jesus. Maybe you show them. Maybe when you go to lunch today and your waitress or your waiter's a little slow and they get your order wrong, maybe you were kind to them. Maybe you're loving when maybe normally you wouldn't be. Maybe you go out of your way to show someone God's love this week just so they can catch a glimpse, just like you caught a glimpse. 
Maybe you do something that's gonna show the same love that Jesus showed us when he sacrificed everything to go to the cross for our sins. See, I believe that if I'm not dead, that God's not done. And as of 1154 today, I'm still here, which means he still has a purpose and a plan for my life. And I believe the same is true for you. He's not done with you. Now, I don't do work for the Lord because I'm trying to get salvation. I have salvation, so I'm gonna do work for the Lord. That's the calling on all of our lives. It's the calling on everyone to, to, to see the sin in the world, to see the sin in yourself and to realize the truth of what God has done for us and to pass that along. See, one day, and I, I, I can't, I, like, I, love, I love my time here on earth, but I can just imagine what it's gonna be like in heaven one day. Um, and one day I'm gonna be there and I'm so excited. But when I get there, I wanna be able to know without a doubt that I've done everything possible here on earth to take as many people with me as I go. Why? Because I know this, and hopefully you know this this morning, in Jesus, there is Let's pray. God, thank you for the hope that you have given us. God in Jesus, for the Savior that you have sent to make it where we can have a right relationship with you. And I pray for those this morning who maybe want to get started in that relationship, that, that they would just realize it is a, it is a, it's a moment of the heart to just say, Jesus, I don't know everything about you. But what I hear, I know I need. And this morning, I pray that, that you would just be the Lord of my life, that I wanna figure it out, what the plan and purpose is that you have for me while I'm still here on earth, and that one day I'll get to spend eternity with you in the eternal comfort of heaven. God, I thank you for that hope. I pray that we leave here different than when we came in. And that includes myself, Lord. May we be more about showing people, telling people the love that you have shown us so they can join us one day when we come with you forever. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.